0: I was going to start off with Dioguic, because that's uh, hello in Irish, but we should be speaking Ukrainian at the beginning of this interview. So, good morning, Inna, how are you? Hello, hello. Good, thank you. How are you?
1: Everything
0: is good. I'm from Ireland, and everything is good here. How are you and how are you today?
1: I'm in А uh, ми mm-hmm. говорили з тобою два з по місяці тому і тоді я була у Херсоні під окупацією але мені вдалося потім виїхати і я знаходжуся на західній Україні а тут uh, спокійно але в Україні буде є небезпечно все одно.
0: That, that, that. so last time we spoke since it will save me having do subtitles for the entire... Uh, for the entire interview when we spoke it was probably around days seven or eight uh, of Russia's latest invasion of Ukraine and at that time you uh, were still in Kherson and the situation was pretty scary uh, there was actually some shelling while we did the interview and um, yeah it was good to see that you managed to get out of Kherson okay so Kherson currently is still uh, under Russian up- occupation and um, there has been a counteroffensive that started in the region maybe a few days ago so maybe there's some hope that it will be liberated uh, going forward uh, pretty soon so um, tell us a little bit about your story uh, of escaping Kherson because it had already been seized by Russia just so everyone knows who's watching the fir- first thing I should say is Ina has a platform teaching Uh, foreigners to speak Ukrainian hence why we started the conversation in Ukrainian (laughs) and um, yeah so you were there in uh, Kherson Uh, the the city is in the south of Ukraine it is just a little bit south of Mykolaiv and it is north of Crimea we can say, if people understand it so uh, a direct route to why it's important is that it has the Danube uh, I was going to say the Danube Delta but that's that's obviously another part of Ukraine of Vilkova it has the Dnipro Uh, Delta so Dnipro is the biggest river the Dnipro River which runs through the country kind of bisects the country and it flows out to the sea uh, near to Kherson and also it is on a direct path via Nikolaev to Odessa which is obviously a big port on the Black Sea and uh, a strategic object of Russia to seize that is why it is a pretty important city and so people understand where it's located so you found yourself Uh, in the city when the Russian soldiers had uh, seized it. Um, I think we spoke around day 7 or 8 around that time period. What happened next? Because as I said, we had that shelling when we even had the conversation. So it was a pretty scary situation. Uh,
1: So the situation is still very uh, difficult uh, in Kherson. And uh, I stayed there uh, one month and several weeks and then uh, it was uh, more and more dangerous for me to stay there uh, because um, volunteers, uh, activists uh, started to disappear and uh, they uh, uh, they were tortured uh, in the basements by Russians. So as I'm a teacher of Ukrainian language, a person who Uh, popularized Ukrainian language across the whole world. And I wasn't silent, it was dangerous for me to stay there. And as my husband is a military person, so I was alone and he is at war. So, uh, and uh, Russian soldiers started to uh, search the apartments uh, of uh, people who were activists, uh, volunteers, family members of veterans or soldiers people. And uh, my husband called me at night and said, you must leave, it is too dangerous for you to stay there alone. So uh, it was very stressful uh, for me to understand that tomorrow, tomorrow early in the morning, I have to try uh, to flee from Kherson. Uh, and it was so nervous because uh, up to now, there weren't any official green corridors. Uh, from her son. So, orcs didn't give any uh, humanitarian corridors, they uh, didn't allow to bring any help to her son. So, uh, it was very critical to stay there and it was just a risk to leave the city. So, there, there are different uh, ways how you can go out of her son. It can be in the direction to uh, Makalayev or it can be to the direction to the Dnipro, Kreverich, that direction, so the different ways. So at that time, uh, there was open the way to Nikolaev, and we just had to go from Kherson to Nikolaev. It usually takes just one hour to get from one city to another, and there is just 60 kilometers, but uh, usually uh, people from Kherson could get to Nikolaev for a long period of time, and it could take 6 hours, 10 hours just to, wow. to, to go 60 kilometers. Can you imagine that? So uh, me and my friends, so actually the uncle of my friend, he said I will uh, try to take you out. So he, his wife, his kids, me and my friends with small kids, we tried to get out uh, of the city. So we went to the so we uh, left Kherson, and there were six uh, Russian uh, mm, uh, block posts. Uh, and so we we left the city at six a.m. and uh, so uh, my uh, my friend's uh, uncle is a priest. So we we said that he is a priest, and he is going to. Uh, take out people from the church community. And actually, yeah, we, uh, we were with these people and uh, it helped us a lot because Russians uh, allowed us to go pretty fast uh, because, you know, they are kind of religious. And he said that he belongs to uh, Moscow patriarch, uh, this uh, 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 this uh, direction, you know, a direction but this kind of, uh, this kind of, title and they allowed us to go pretty fast because of that but it it took us three hours to 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 uh go through six blog posts but uh at this blog post uh, they uh, search our things they ask us who are you what are your names show us your smartphones uh so it was very difficult uh psychological to go through the blog post and we were very scary because there were soldiers, Russian soldiers with with a, they were fully armed and they uh, look into your faces, they check out your documents, they say open your bags, what do you have here, Uh, what is your family, where are you going, why are you leaving. Uh, They said, you don't need to leave, stay there, we are good, we won't do anything bad. So, but we say we want to go out Um, and uh, it was very scary, it was so uh, dangerous and it was the worst day of my life and it took me 20 hours to get from Kyrgyzstan to the western Ukraine and I want to tell you that it was very fast because usually for many people it takes three, five, even seven days wow. to... Yes, that's true. And I fled from Kherson at the end of March and uh, uh, right now it is almost impossible to leave the city so since, since the day it became more harder and harder to leave the city and the whole region and um, uh it is very popular among russian soldiers to take bribes so if you want to leave the city you should give them two three hundred dollars maybe five hundred dollars so they can ask ask any sum of money for you if you want to cross the block post give money sometimes they enjoy for people to suffer and to stay in the cars for many hours they say we don't allow you to uh, go to stay at the block post longer so oh, it's it's very difficult and uh, people are like my friends they were in the cars for twelve hours it, it, it is not allowed for you to go uh, and to go to the toilet because they don't allow you to do that or there are mines so you can just go out from the car and go into the bush to pee, I'm sorry for saying that, but it is dangerous. And some of people, they died. I know my friends, my cousin's uh, friends, they died because they, uh, because they weren't very careful and they died because they went on the mine. And wow. many, people, many people suffered who tried, because again, I want to tell you, 100 days of war, there weren't any green corridor to live out of her son. And many people, they didn't want to leave the city, but they couldn't stay there because of the hunger, because of the problems with the medicine, uh, because you can't get anything. And it is very difficult, psychological to stay there because you are under this pressure all the time there. And I want to tell you that my mom left her son one month ago. And she's a teacher of Ukrainian language and literature at school. And uh, I, I, I just, I beg her every day, mom, please leave, mom, please leave. It is too dangerous for you to stay there because soldiers came to schools, especially to her school. And they started to pick up the list of the teachers, members of the families, what, what do they do? And uh, they came to the school and took forbidden literature as books of Ukrainian language, history, literature. And I said, Mom, it is too dangerous for you to stay there because they said that they will uh, start, they will force teachers to use Russian program for beauty, uh, language, literature. And my mom, she said, What will I do? Where will I work? And I said, You have to leave. Please leave. Please leave. And when she tried to fly from the Kherson, she stayed five days at one blog post. Five
0: days. Wow. That's insane. Five days. Let me stop you there in, in in this story. So, your own situation was that because you went with someone who was who was able to claim at least that he was affiliated with the Moscow Patriotic Orthodox Church, uh, that facilitated you getting out within a few hours but for other people they could be literally stuck there for days at a checkpoint so that's interesting that saying that you're with the Moscow patriarchy uh, helps with getting out there because um, they assume if you're with that uh, religious um, denomination that you're more likely to be pro-Russian but I guess then they must be wondering why, why why, are you trying to leave since we're occupying here or liberating as they would try to describe it uh, and making it like Russia why would you want to leave <laughs> well there's a lot of good reasons to want to leave and I think you touched them a little bit with respect to, you were hearing about people being uh, abducted, intimidated, uh, tortured, especially those who are less likely or, or assumed to be, um, to resist uh, Russian uh, control, uh, whether it happens to be not just military control, but also ideological control. Uh, in the region and I've also been hearing that from people not in the city of Kherson but also in the hinterland outside that especially in the last few weeks it's become more and more violent Uh, there is um, I mean this is what people tell me um, you know we're still in contact and I've been in contact with people who are still there in Kherson that there's it's like kind of what you described they go around with lists of people they try to identify who's most likely to be uh, to be to resist Uh, not necessarily that they would take up arms but just to resist Russification which is like basically trying to turn it into Russia and they start looting in in these areas they kidnap people Uh, actually people I've interviewed um, you know when I was doing my travel vlogs have disappeared Uh, And I hear this not just in Kherson but also in Zaporizhia oblast, the parts that are under Russian occupation at the moment, new occupation. So definitely a very scary situation if you are there uh, behind. What are the living conditions like outside of intimidation, harassment, potential abduction and murder in in Kherson? Um, You mentioned the humanitarian situation, Uh, like Russian state TV obviously Tries to say that everything is amazing now in Kherson and all these occupied areas. Uh, I should point out also that Kherson was not leveled or raised and destroyed like, say, cities like Mariupol or Volnovakha have been, and recently uh, Severodonetsk in uh, in Donbas, because there wasn't as heavy fighting in Kherson, and they were able to seize the city without destroying it. Uh, so. Uh, they maybe will be able to show a little bit more plausibly that things look normal whilst they, they try to do the same in Mariupol everything is great and you look at this it looks like the second world war there's nothing left I mean it's just so bizarre but in Kherson what is the situation actually on the ground in terms of getting uh, food medicine and going about your, your daily life uh, internet all these kind of things uh, so uh, this situation is
1: very tough right now And uh, I want to tell you that uh, uh, when I was in Kherson, it was difficult to get food, especially bread, uh, milk, uh, yogurt, uh, also such products as meat, fish, sausages. It was just almost impossible, and it's still very difficult. And um, I know very well what is going on in Kherson because I am in contact with uh, Kherson volunteers, and I help them a lot. I uh, created the charity project "Buy t shirt Save Ukrainian life So I uh, I have a website and I sell their products with Ukrainian symbols. For example, like I have a bag, um made in Ukraine, and I collect money for for uh, people in Kherson. And uh, up to now, I have collected fifteen thousand dollars. So every day I wow, send this amazing. money. Yes, so this is the 100% profit that I collected and I send this money every day to uh, my friends who are volunteers in person, who are very brave people, believe me. So, um, so every day they uh, send me a photo report, video report, how they uh, collect food, like different kind of gorgeous rice uh buckwheat uh or for example uh like pasta sugar so then they collect some um, cookies they bake some bread for people and they uh collect these packages with food and people come to them and they get these packages with food to them and also they uh, have drivers who uh, bring these packages with food to people in the Herson region, because in Kherson it is tough, but the, in Kherson region, in the villages, the situation is even worse, because you know that uh, Kherson uh, is to Kherson it's not allowed to bring um, uh, humanitarian aid or just products, Ukrainian products. So in the city, it's tough, but in the villages, they don't get any uh, products at all. And uh, my volunteers, they help to people, they bring them medicine, they bring them uh, diapers for small kids, like soap, shampoo, a lot of this kind of high items. And uh, Russians, they bring food uh, and medicine from Crimea. Uh, and uh, a lot of people don't want to take it. So they suffer from hunger or they can survive with the help of uh, local volunteers who help. And uh, also, well, some people don't have choice, but they should take or buy Russian food and everything is very expensive. So the prices are very high, just in three or four times, like very expensive. So, and also um, about the internet connection and mobile connection, o- also uh, it disappeared before for a couple of days, but right now there is no internet and mobile connection for a week. So people in Kherson, they can get some internet connection sometimes with the help of some providers because there are different providers and maybe some of them they can get some connection I don't know, maybe they take it from Crimea. Nobody knows how it happens. Because I have um, my admin of my school, she lives in son. she's my friend. And sometimes she disappears and I know where is she, what is going on, but get some internet somehow. But uh, in the regions, the situation is bad. I haven't talked to my dad for a week. So my dad stayed there, he's in the village. And I'm very nervous about him because uh, I can't talk to him. No connection. He is alone. He is a retired person. And uh, every month he gets uh, like uh, the, his retirement uh, money. It's $70. So, you know, it's just nothing. And I help him all the time with money. And we talked with him uh, one week ago. I sent money and right now i don't know where what is going on in my native village what, what is going on with him is he alive does he have food because i'm not sure i, I think if there is no connection he can pay with a card you know because i sent yep. him i i regularly send yep. him money on card i help him but right now i i he said i i i'm out of food i sent him money and and i'm not sure if he was able to to pay by the cart and to buy some food. So and I can't call the neighbors, my classmates there because no connection in the whole city. And that's that's scary. That's horrible. And I'm I'm very stressed about it. It's so bad. So uh, I wanted to talk to you because I want to share the information about your son and the whole region and. The situation is very tough there. Yes, some Ukrainians say, "Oh, there is no uh, like uh, bomb there. Uh, the houses are uh, are okay. It's not like situation in Mariupol." Yes, it's not, but not now, because I'm afraid that when uh, Ukrainian armed forces will liberate Kherson, uh, they will start works will start start destroying the city. You know, they will be angry that they couldn't have it and they will start to just destroy it. Like in Mariupol, they, they will they will do it. I'm afraid of that because currently I read the news that our army from the side of Krivarid, they liberated 20 villages and they move closer to Kherson and uh, I pray God they will liberate it. But I'm afraid that when uh, they will push them back uh through the bridge to to Crimea. me a russian start uh, bombing her son and uh, i'm afraid that they will uh they would like to revenge and they may uh they may leave a lot of victims so that's it's
0: horrible that's what you're that's what you're scared of just uh, a few things, yeah, what you were saying about the internet. I was actually talking to someone who was in Herson just before we had our call. And it's the first time he said that he's been able to connect in a week because he's in a cafe. It was about to close about 10 minutes. So I didn't get a chance to really to really talk to him. And um, I just wanted to ask you one other thing. Uh, Ukrainian language, because that's, you know, you, you obviously have your, that's what you do professionally. You, you teach Ukrainian language and you have your platform. I'll also put a link down to your uh, Trojan um, humanitarian work that you're that you're helping organizing in Kherson so the people get food so that they get this humanitarian assistance I mean, Russia does provide some humanitarian assistance but you know uh, a lot of people don't want to take it um, because they want not be seen probably as collaborating with the Russian authorities also that's, that could actually be dangerous in lots of ways as well so it's a very tense situation for people to be able to get food um, what do you think the future of the Ukrainian language is um, because a lot of people in the south of Ukraine and the east of Ukraine uh, speak Russian as their native language and Russia has used this as part of their propaganda to say look all these people are basically Russians they speak Russian I'm sitting to you in Galway in Ireland I, I mean this is the most Irish-speaking area of Ireland and I would probably be hard-pressed if I walked around and spoke in uh, in Irish here but there, you're not going to find probably hardly anyone who has an Irish passport who's going to tell you that they're English for example right it's just the language and the nationality and the identity isn't very, isn't very strong nowadays. I mean, Ireland's been independent for 100 years. Uh, but Russian propaganda has been u- using that, for example. Do, and uh, I noticed just before this latest invasion in Kiev, in particular, which I would say in the last 10 years, uh, 10 years ago when I first came, or 12 years ago, that most people would have addressed me in Russian and I wouldn't have heard that much Ukrainian but it had definitely changed in the last six months I noticed a lot that actually people were speaking to me more in Ukrainian than Russian if they didn't know me and that's a big change Um, so that trend of we'll call it not necessarily Ukrainianization but the people speaking more Ukrainian um, how do you see that being after this conflict is finished Um, um, and presumably which is what what I've said on day 30 Ukraine will win and Russia will have to leave possibly all of the occupied area and go back to the Zizhori borders, but definitely a significant part of it, it will be liberated. Do you think that the use of the Ukrainian language will uh, will be, there will be a lot more people who want to speak it um, because of this um, latest invasion? Uh,
1: That's a good question, and it's true that uh, since the beginning of war, Ukrainian language became more and more popular and uh, many Ukrainians started to speak it. They realized that uh, uh, language was a very important propaganda uh, issue for uh, uh, Kremlin, yes, uh, and uh, Putin. And he said that I started this uh, uh, operation to liberate Russian-speaking uh, people in Ukraine and, and, uh, some Ukrainians say that, yes, this was the reason for him to do this. Therefore we have to start speaking Ukrainian. Some Ukrainians say, no, he is a sick person. And otherwise he could find another reason to, uh, attack Ukraine. So, um, personally, I agree that we, uh, don't have to speak Russian we have to flourish Ukrainian language, Ukrainian culture, Ukrainian church. There won't be any uh, uh, Russian churches in Ukraine. I believe in that. And this issue is also right now is um, is uh, become more and more stronger here. And uh, many Ukrainians are um, angry on the, uh, on the whole uh, Russian Federation, Russian people, how they are uh, silent. And uh, for us, uh, for many, mm, many Ukrainians, Russian language right now sound, sounds like something ugly. I can't speak Russian language at all. I don't, I can't right now even hear this language. It is something disgusting for me. When I hear it, I, I, I get this, the better situations with it and uh, i feel mm, i i don't feel very well that before i spoke russian also because i mm, I, I think many ukrainians feel this like have a guilt that before we spoke russian language that was that oh it doesn't matter what language to speak in ukraine russian or ukrainian we watched uh, russian um, content on youtube so therefore, uh, we also provoke it. So and um, so many Ukrainians speak Ukrainian right now, and we don't have we don't have to we don't want to have anything in common with Russia. And uh, I heard a question that uh, changed my mind. How how can you distinguish whether it is a Ukrainian or a Russian person if they both speak Russian language? How can you do it? The question is, <laughs> it is impossible to do it. We can distinguish people by their by their culture, this is their identity number one. So I believe that after the war, um, Ukraine. Uh, will uh, will become uh, a very uh, a wealthy person and we will proud of our language, culture, traditions uh, a lot because we have a lot of interesting that we can share with the world. Our cuisine, our wishvanka, uh, our clothes is very beautiful and uh, we have a lot of we are part of. All. And I believe that we must, uh, we must, um, be, we must develop colonization and we must be on our side for sure. Otherwise, if we then uh, start saying, oh, it doesn't matter what language to speak Russian or Ukrainian, we, ha- we will have a war again. It will be repeated again and again. And I think many Ukrainians don't want their kids, uh, grandkids live in the war again, because the history repeats itself all the time. We had this conflict with Russia many times. And even right now, in the 21st century, 2022, when we can think, okay, it's impossible that there is a war in Europe, but it is possible. We have it again. We we have this push again. And if we want to do conclusions as Ukrainians, if we again say, okay, we, if, I don't know, in five, 10 years we say, okay, we can speak Russian language, we are brothers, we are Slavic countries, we will have a war again. It will be repeated again and again. So I believe that we have to be very radical in this question of Ukrainianizations, And many people understood it. And I believe that we will, we will uh, win very soon, we will develop our country very well and we will build, I don't know, some a big like China wall between Ukrainian and Russian border because we don't want to have anything in common with them. So that's, that's the thing that I wanted to say.
0: Okay, um, yeah, that's pretty, it's a pretty grim <laughs> uh, perspective. Uh, I personally think that uh, Kremlin has uh, pretty disgustingly instrumentalized the fact that a lot of Ukrainians do speak Russian as their native language to justify invading the country. And pretty uh, sickly they have attacked and killed more of those Russian-speaking Ukrainians than in than the rest of the Ukrainians, right? They're basically
1: annihilated in the West. <laughs> Yes, I'm sorry, people in the east and south suffered a lot. Russian-speaking yes. people in the east and south are the, the biggest victims.
0: Clearly, clearly, because they're the areas that have been closest to Russia and attacked him. Yes, so the whole thing is so perverse. They claim they're saving and liberating the Russian speakers of Ukraine because they're oppressed uh, by the rest of the Ukrainians and then they basically murder and destroy their cities. And as you said, now you're worried that when they have to leave Kherson, they'll also destroy Kherson. They're basically trying to eliminate um, the Russian-speaking culture of Ukraine, which is completely, I don't know, for me it's complete lunacy what they're doing. Um, Do I think that, I think obviously Ukraine had already been gaining ground in popularity in the country. I think one of the issues, I guess, has always been, where is the, there's no geographical real feature for the border between Russia and Ukraine. And Putin said in his speech two days before the war, he doesn't think the borders are legitimate and basically Ukraine has no right to exist independent of Russia, of him. Uh, and I think going forward, the big question is really what happens in Russia after they're defeated in this war. Do they reform? Do they stop being an empire? The bottom line is Russia is an unreformed empire. It behaves imperialistic under its current government. And unfortunately, enough Russians aren't doing enough to stop that or protest enough of it or help Ukraine and they will also suffer consequences in the long term because of, because of that uh, collective failure uh, to stop just like Nazi Germany in the 1930s also the German people had to pay a very heavy price in the long run um, for that so Ina I'm gonna let you go I'm delighted to see that you got out safely yourself my heart goes out to everybody who is stuck there in Herson because the guy I was speaking to had told me that he, you cannot leave at the moment uh, you cannot leave, the Russians will not let you leave, and he's a, a guy who's probably in his 40s. Also, I hope the best for your, your family, your parents, that they're able to get uh, get out, uh, your father, and nothing bad happens, and that soon, her, not just her son, but the rest of, the, uh, the 20% of Ukraine that's currently occupied will be will be liberated. So keep up the good work in helping organize funds and food and humanitarian aid for the people who are who are trapped there. We might as well say what it is, they're trapped. They don't want to you know I guess they could leave to Russia but uh de jure Russia but that's really the only option they can't come back to uh Ukrainian controlled Ukraine at the moment free Ukraine and um yeah that's that's it um it's a horrible disgusting situation that belongs to another century the 1920 century and Russia's leadership wants to drag everybody back to that and um I'm gonna remain optimistic that they will fail in their endeavors and uh, we will go back, both of us, to Kherson Oblast, where I filmed last summer a good few vlogs and, spe- and um, yeah. So, do um, and best of luck. SAR experience.